Today, I am joined by Maria Butler, who is Director of Global uh, Programs for the oldest women's freedom advocacy group organization in the world. It was founded in 1915, the uh, Women's International League for Peace and Freedom. She's also uh, was invited to be a member of the Oversight Group of Ireland's National Action Plan. Uh, on Women in Peace and Security, which is a, a five-year initiative uh, started in 2019. She uh, formerly was director of the program Peace Women when she was still working with uh, ILPF in New York. Gosh, there's so many things in your curriculum that I, I think I should just pass it on over to you. Um, one thing I, I was wanting to ask you, Hi, welcome. Um, I was wanting to ask you about how you got involved in, in this in the first place, because I see that mm -hmm. after you graduated as a lawyer uh, from the University of Dublin, straight out of the gate, you founded an NGO and, and mm -hmm. then did a, a master's in human rights at the uh, London School of Economics and Political Science. Can you just mm -hmm. talk about how you started getting involved in these sort of issues? Yeah. Yes, sure. Um, and like many, I think, young people, and especially today, we see a lot of young, young people driven by passion and the values of humanity and dignity. And I um, felt those very strongly as I was growing up in rural Ireland. Mm -hmm. And when I had the opportunity to do some community development work in rural Kenya, um, I came home and it was the Celtic tiger in Ireland. It was a huge economic boom. And so what um, a group of friends and I decided to do was to uh, mobilize young Irish people to send solidarity and funds to support students in Kenya. So mm -hmm. we started with a goal of five and it, as you said, grew and grew um with great positive energy and in the end we sent over 50 kids to school we have feeding programs in multiple primary schools and other community development programs but we called it gra mm -hmm. which means love in the irish language oh and this was our um you know this was a core value and passion was to be uh, driven by love and from there the community work I also saw, of course, you see the direct impact and many of the students are still in touch with me on a weekly basis, actually. Um, but you also see the structural problems and mm -hmm. that community development work is not addressing the root causes of poverty, of environmental degradation, as was the case in this, these communities. Um, and that brought me to um, apply and to look at organizations working more on structural and policy issues. Mm -hmm. And that's where I've been spent most of the last 10 years working with WILF, Women's International League for Peace and Freedom, um, who, who very much are connecting the local and the global. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you how you pronounce that acronym. It looks a little <laughs> intimidating. Yeah. WILF, you <laughs> say you WILF. WILF. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um, would you talk a little bit about WILF's background and the work they do mm -hmm. uh, now? Because I think yeah, this is a really fascinating organization. 
Yes, so so amazing. A group of women who mm -hmm. remember in 1915, as you said, it was World War One. Um, it was before the global pandemic. Um, it was also a time before women had the right to vote in mm -hmm. those countries. And uh, a group of women, over a thousand, about one thousand um, one hundred, traveled from the warring countries in the First World War, the U.S. and across Europe including Germany, uh, to meet in The Hague. And they uh, met there, they discussed the politics of the war and also their analysis of how to end the war. And from there, they decided to uh, meet again over the years. And in 1919, uh, they met in Zurich and they decided to form the League, uh, which has continued for over a hundred years now. And when you read their analysis, I, I went back recently and read some of the papers from mm. Jane Addams, who was one of the founding mothers, mm. uh, the first US woman to win the Nobel Peace Prize. Um, but their analysis was so accurate. They talked about the fundamentals of the economic system, mm -hmm. and that we should create a world where we don't ship, then you ship, ship luxury goods before everyone's basic needs are met mm -hmm. and how, how our world has gone the opposite direction into consumer capitalism at its at its extent uh, but they also talked about not privatizing the arms trade because that would lead to a proliferation in the arms race and powerful countries would make money mm -hmm. from the debts and militarization in other countries. And they set forward a very progressive agenda and uh, tried to influence then the parties to the conflict, but also over the last hundred years, women around the world have continued their legacy in addressing the root causes of conflict mm -hmm. at the local level. So mm -hmm. in a community, talking about power, who has it, who doesn't have it, um, and how it's impacting everyone and everyone in a different way. Mm -hmm. uh, and also mobilizing, as they did in 1915, and as, as we've continued across the world today, how do we mobilize like-minded and engage with others who are not like-minded in, in the cause for peace? Mm. So, um, yeah, it sounds like, uh, what a thoughtful analysis that, you know, as we look in arms proliferation nowadays and income inequality and its impact on less peaceful societies, etc. I mean, what a vision from... So if you think in terms of these last 20 years um, mm -hmm. that the, mm -hmm. the women in peace uh, and security agenda has been, you know, part of the United Nations Security Council resolution, mm -hmm. Are there any specific advances that you'd point to or any mm -hmm. particular contributions that this mindset of women have to be included? Um, has it made any difference for, for peace and security? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question because there's a lot of um, stock taking happening. Um, mm -hmm. In New York, in the UN Security Council, there'll be convening of member states and other actors. Um, but also generally, I think we're being very reflective of, of where has the agenda brought us. Um, I think there have been technical gains 
And I think we should acknowledge those both within civil society. So local women using the resolution of 1325 to make advances, whether that's calling on their own government to adopt the national action plan. We have 86 national action plans around the world. Mm -hmm. And each of those have created an opportunity in cases to have conversations with other actors that never happened before. Mm -hmm. So it's talking about women's rights, participation and security with the Ministry of Defence, with, mm -hmm. the, with the budgetary holders in governments and with civil society and members of parliament. But none of these tools are themselves an end. It's, it's really how they're used uh, mm -hmm. makes a difference. And in many cases, I think to the frustration of those working on the front line of peace activism is there's been a instrumentalization or a, um, let me think of a good word, a, um, they want to look good, but they're not really doing what they're... Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> no. I what's a good word for that? Uh, um, posturization? I don't know. Yes, it's sort Something of... Something like that, um, yeah. It's like nodding your head and, um, yes, preparing some advances, but not the... Uh, and not furthermore, not implementing. So mm -hmm. you may have national action plans, but without a budget. Yeah. And <clears throat> you may have national action plans, but without addressing one of the core issues, which is arms proliferation. Mm -hmm. So when you get down to the details, it becomes it's becoming more frustrated. We have seen mm -hmm. normative advances and no one will deny that. There's 10 resolutions, maybe 11 next week, mm -hmm. um, that are generally moving forward the rhetoric. Uh, but when you get down to the details, we haven't seen more door open on processes like Afghanistan or Syria or Libya or Korea that mm -hmm. are track one peace negotiations happening today. We don't hear the same resistance as mm -hmm. the women in Northern Ireland heard. Mm -hmm. We don't hear the same name calling and explicit patriarchy, but we still see the resistance. Mm -hmm. um, so this is, this is definitely a difference. Um, in Afghanistan today, we have a national section, Wilf Afghanistan, who's working with many other women's groups who have been organizing for women's rights within Afghanistan mm -hmm. uh, society for decades. Yeah. And within, within the peace talks with the Taliban today, they are um, terrified that women's rights will be bargained, that women's rights will be traded, not only by the government or the Taliban, but also by the international community. Mm -hmm. That this will be a, a, you know, not a fundamental commitment of the international community in 2020. And it's horrifying. They're also organizing to call for their direct participation within the talks. Mm -hmm. um, and they're also organizing with, outside the official process. Um, our uh, representative within Afghanistan, Jamila Afghani, is working with thousands of imams in the provinces of Afghanistan, mm -hmm. talking about women's rights and peace and how women's rights and peace are interrelated. They're in the one and the same thing. I mean, if you look at the research, exactly. it needs to be at the core of building exactly. peace. Mm -hmm. Yes, and, th and that is ongoing short-term work and long-term uh, work. So um, I've learned so much from the women peace activists that we work with in our network. Wilf is 
operates in over 50 countries mm -hmm. with members. So we have WILF sections and we have partners in certain countries. And um, in, in my work, I get to listen to and learn from how they're organizing. And it all depends on the context of where you are and what you're able to do with, with the agenda. Mm -hmm. So yes, there have been gains, but mm -hmm. I also see the frustrations um, mm -hmm. with exactly what we said. So not moving forward implementation, um, not having accountability for implementation gaps and mm -hmm. the abundance of rhetoric um, when there's need for action. Yeah. So in this context of, I guess there's probably some hypocrisy there or unwillingness to change mm -hmm. or bias or whatever it is. Um, mm -hmm. What do you think is the most urgent thing that needs to happen next um, in order to advance women's rights? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, a hard one. <laughs> Sorry to do that. <laughs> yes, it is because there's many. <laughs> I, I, I see two things, and I think the COVID pandemic is also amplifying. Mm -hmm. We need to ensure that we're valuing, resourcing, and making space for local initiatives. So keeping women living, working in conflict situations at the center of the work, always. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. whether that means um, in funding, whether it means in political participation, in any way, keeping and ensuring that local women activists, that local peace activists are at the center of the work. Uh, and the second big area, and I'm actually currently taking a course uh, with GCSP, is the intersection with the environment. Ah, good There's one, yeah. Mm -hmm. There is nothing um, we can do as peace activists, as social justice activists, as human beings, mm -hmm. where we don't take seriously the threat to the ecosystem, to the environment and how that interrelates with uh, women's rights, with women's mm -hmm. participation and with peace and security for the world. So yeah. I think these are two core, core areas for, for the next uh, decade mm -hmm. to center. And I think women's activists and peace activists are central mm -hmm. to uh, challenging, to coming up with alternatives for a safe and healthy environment. Yeah. And it's that uh, feminine perspective that I think is so important. I mean, if we go full circle back to Jane mm -hmm. Adams, she really does. Yes. And there's some children's books also about uh, Jane Adams, which oh. are great to read at home and great to actually just great to celebrate the diverse women leaders that have gone before us in the peace movement mm -hmm. and have brought alternative ideas. Mm -hmm. um, and across Wilf and right now in our in our teams, there's just such great, rich writing uh, for different audiences. So I hope that people can dig deep into to peace analysis from from a feminist perspective. Do you have a favorite inspirational quote that you can share with us? I'm going to share a quote from the current Wilf International President and Director of Wilf Nigeria, mm -hmm. Joy. Oniso, and her quote, her mantra that she shares with us and other activists locally is too focused to give up, too focused to give up. Mm. And if people are watching, there's been huge violence in Nigeria over the last week. It's been in the headlines and Joy and the activists there, particularly women, are mobilizing to how to 
support an end to police and military brutality in Nigeria. And um, I think this is a moment to echo her words as, as they fight for social justice in Nigeria. I love that because obviously they're um, in a very difficult situation, but you yeah. know, just even for any woman who is like maybe lacking confidence uh, in what she wants to achieve in life and what she wants to contribute to the world, uh, you know, focusing on your purpose gives you, I think, a lot of, a lot of energy. And um, yeah. that's one yeah. of the things I really admire about you, Maria. So thank you so much for our conversation today. Thank you so much, Lisa, and to thank you for having the conversation. The new normal, it's anything but, and yet we still connect, we talk, we try to fix the world. Thank you for joining me in this conversation about the state of the women, peace and security agenda on the occasion of the 20th anniversary of UN Security Council Resolution 1325. And thanks as well to my guests for sharing their expertise, wisdom and time. If you enjoy meeting these wonderful folks as much as I do, please subscribe to us on Apple, iTunes or YouTube and follow us on Spotify or SoundCloud. I hope to see you again on another episode of the mini series, Tea at 1325.